from the Duck South Studios in Morgan City, Mississippi. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. This is the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Get the governor harumph. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Today's episode is brought to you by Advantage Multi from Bayer. Advantage Multi is veterinarian's number one choice in the prevention of heartworms, fleas, roundworms, hookworms, and whipworms. Treats and controls sarcoptic mange. Make sure your dog is protected by using Advantage Multi. I said what I said and I'll stand by it to the death. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And now, here are your hosts, Jay Paul Jackson. You just love to hear yourself talk, don't you? Even when you're not saying anything. Rocky LaFleur. Yo, Adrian! Adrian! Houston Kennedy. Please, Houston, we have a problem. And Josh Webb. Coons. We're raccoons trying to get on our back porch. Mama just chased them off with a broom. Welcome to the On The X Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I'm Rocky LaFleur. And we've got Mr. Josh Webb with us. Josh, I'm sure you've probably been out scouting for a few turkeys today, listening for a few gobbles. Uh, we've got Jake back with us. Now, Jake's been in Florida for the past week filming for Into the Blue. Is that right, Jake? That's correct. Into the Blue TV. And we have we have got a special guest with us today, Mr. Jimmy Slater of Slater's Jigs. Um, Jimmy, it's really good to have you on with us. Well, thank you, Rocky. It's good to be here, and uh, appreciate y'all having me on. Now, Jimmy and I have a a family connection. This uh, I married Jimmy's, I guess, niece. That's um, right. About ten years ago, and I'm gonna tell you something. This man that that is on here with us has a ton of knowledge when it comes to crappie fishing, just to sit around and listen to him and his dad and his sons. It's it's unbelievable the knowledge that they possess when it comes to crappie fishing. And that, you know, crappie, Jake, like Jake and I were talking about it a few minutes ago, you know, just in the past 10 years, I know that crappie fishing has been ever expanding, but crappie fishing, the popularity when it comes to crappie fishing has really exploded in the past 10 years would would you say that jimmy oh it definitely has uh you know these uh they made it so much more of a, a family type uh atmosphere especially these crappie tournaments and all and that's what's really made crappie fishing catch on you know it uh, used to be a you didn't hear about nothing but bass fishing tournaments but now then they you got every state just about that's got any amount of crappie fishing at all going on in it that's organizing and or has organized uh Tournaments and uh, crappie tournaments and all, and that's really it helped helped expand the sport. Well, I know, I know, uh, I know. Uh, we're just meeting for the first time today, Jimmy. But uh, this is Jake. Um, I live out in Colorado. I grew up in Tennessee, but I haven't uh, been involved in the crappie fishing world since I left Tennessee 26 years ago. But you know, I do know that it's always been a very it's a big thing down south and it's expanding all over the country even out here in colorado we have people that are 
you know, stocking their ponds and lakes uh, privately with crappie because it's such a great table fare, which I think is what originally made, you know, crappie so popular. But it's really interesting to know that, you know, you and your family have made a living uh, with crappie. Can you tell us a little bit about how how it got started? Well, uh, it's approximately about 50 years ago now, to be honest with you. Uh, right there on uh, Mossy Lake outside of uh, Moorhead, Mississippi, uh, on December the 23rd. My, going back a little bit, my daddy just got to putting around making his, he wanted to make his own jigs and stuff, so he ordered uh, a mole and some hooks. I think it cost him $25. And he made a few hooks and jigs up, you know, and. On December 23rd, he was working on Mississippi Power and Light here, in, which is now Energy, in, uh, here in Mississippi. And uh, anyway, he, he was tired on his vacation. It was December 23rd, and he goes over to Mossy Lake. And when he's getting ready to put his boat in, there's another guy pulling his boat out. And he told my father, he said, man, you're wasting your time. Uh, he, said, they're not, they're not, he said, I've been out here all morning. They caught a fish. Of course, it was getting close to dinner, I guess, when Daddy went over there. And said, well, I've made up these jigs, and I'm going to wet a hook today. You know, I'm going to just see what they'll do. He put the boat in and went out, and as soon as he got there, he saw another boat, on a boat on the lake, which he two guys in it that did knew, and he pulled up there, and they told him basically the same thing. He's wasting his time. They had, like, caught two crappie all morning. Daddy said, well, once again, he said, I made up these hooks, and he showed it to him. He said, these jigs, and he said, I'm going to just wet a hook and give it a try. He was going to fish. He was going to kind of do a little trolling out there and uh, that time of year, and he was gonna put out a couple of poles. Well, he rigged up the first pole and threw it over in the, the hook over in the water, put the pole up under his leg to get the uh, second pole ready. And before he gets the second pole ready, the first pole jerked down, and Daddy said, "Oh Lord, I must be hung on the log." When he reached and grabbed the pole, he come out with a slab of crock. And then guys, they just started laughing. They said, "Beginner's luck." And he said, "Well, probably right." And he threw the hook back over there, went to get the second pole, and wham, hit it again. And long story short, Daddy sat right there in front of those men. And with that one pole, he caught thirty something crappie, and then caught another crappie. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so, the guy loves stories like that. Yeah. He probably, so, I mean, he probably a, sold every jig he had in his boat that day too to those guys. <laughs> no, and anyway, they uh, they just couldn't stand it, so they got over to you know, and they said, "Hey, what are you fishing with?" And he showed them, and they said, "Look, you mind uh, making me a uh, a dozen of those jigs?" And the other guy said, "Well, if you're gonna get a dozen, I'm gonna get a dozen of." So Daddy said, yeah, I'll make them. He said, what would you charge us for? And Daddy told him. he come home. He told my mom. He said, you ain't going to believe this. He said, I'm out there fishing and catching fish. And he said, I done got an order on these fishing jigs for two dozen jigs. Well, anyway, <laughs> and that's kind of when it started. And he was working Mississippi Town Life. He would tie up books, and he'd carry them to work with him in a cigar box. And during dinner, you know, they'd be going to some restaurant or whatever. And, of course, he never sold them on company time, but he'd be doing dinner. And he'd carry a cigar box, and he'd get the, the in the up here at the local restaurant where they all ate, and guys were coming by buying them out the cigar box from me. And uh, so then we just kind of, he told my mom one day that he was going to try to, you know, start a business and uh, and on the side, and it started off on the side, and then later on he retired from Mississippi and Light and went into it full time. But it, <laughs> it started right there on Mossy Lake. Wow. Years ago. That's so funny, the stories, success stories like that. A lot of times come sort of uh, serendipitously where a guy like the GoPro camera story, you know, a guy built something for himself and it caught other people's eyes 
and it just caught on like a wildfire and and took off and exploded. That's that's a really great story. Well, like I said, he had no intention at the time of going in business. He was just going to make, I think he bought a box of 100 hooks and a mold and he had some lead and a little plumber's pot with a ladle and he was pouring them hooks one at a time, you know, and he just made him up a couple of dozen for himself. When he sold those, needless to say, he had to order another 100 hooks and then the next thing you know, he had to order 200 and, well, then he just kind of grew from there, you know. And then we, uh, we would just sell them to little individuals, and then we started selling them to a few bait shops. And then um, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, the Kroger uh, stores used to have a sporting goods department in it, similar to, say, what Walmart's got now. A lot of people didn't know that and don't know that. And uh, right over in Granville, Mississippi, a man had heard about uh, people catching them and people were telling about catching them with our jigs, and he called my daddy over there one day, and I, I wasn't about eight, nine years old. I went with him, and... We went over to that store, and they looked at what we had, and I think he ordered 50 dozen for Kroger. And we thought, oh, wow. my God, we'll never get that peeled, you know. I mean, this, this is... <laughs> And anyway, uh, we delivered them like on a Thursday. This is true. We delivered it to them on a Thursday about a week later. And on that Monday, they called and said, hey, we got to have another 50 dozen. They done sold out over the weekend. So, you know, that was our first what you call, I guess, big accounts, you know, and we just been blessed. God's blessed us in so many ways, you know, and, and that's all, you know, it's just been a kind of growing from there. We just added to our line since then, you know, the different colors. we got all different colors, different styles now. We've uh, added other products as well. Jimmy, I, I'm going to give you a, I, I know, I know Josh. Josh is a huge crappie fisherman, so I'm going to get my two questions in before Josh jumps in here. Number one, okay. do you... Do, what what was the first jig like that he designed? Well, it's just like uh, the jig we got right now. We never really changed it. We, you know, it's got the uh, it was just a the regular. It's got the regular jig head like what's on there now. But it's, the first color he did was a orange head, a fluorescent orange head with a black chenille wrap body and a yellow tail. And uh, people mm-hmm. right now to this day they call it the Slater Standby. Because they claim when there's nothing else to catch on that wheel, if you don't have nothing else in your tackle box, and uh, so the, the the style of our original jig is really not changed, other than you know trying to make it uh, better as far as you know quality control. Uh, we found where to get maybe materials that are a little bit better than what we started with. Uh, you know our chenille bodies now are the colors and everything have improved so much. When I talk about chenille body, I'm talking about some people call it like that pipe wrap that goes around the middle of the body of the jig. Uh, you know, they, some of the colors now are so, so fantastic. Back when we first started, you know, it wasn't nothing but basically uh, just your basic colors, yellow, black, whatever. Now then they got two colored uh, bodies, and they got silver bodies. And, you know, it just, I mean, it's, all that's improved. And it's, it's improved. We tried to add it into our line. And, of course, then we, you know, we found where to get the quality better hair than what we maybe, you know, over the years. and to where the paint job, the, the dyeing jobs, not paint, they dye those tails. You know, uh, different companies, you know, you, you you find the ones to do the better jobs, you know. So that's about, that's the main thing that's changed on it, you know. As far as the basic look, it's all still about the same as it ever was. Well, we, uh, be, being that the story that you told us, I mean, I mean you were a, you were a, keep going back to this word, a pioneer into the industry in – I mean, was there anybody else at the time 
when when yeah. when your dad yes. makes the first ones. I mean, was there anybody else making crappie jigs at the time? Yes, there was some crappie jigs. I talked to Daddy about it a lot. I, you know, I wasn't like I said eight nine years old because I started with him in the business, uh, helping him tie hooks at nine years old. But uh, uh, yes, there were other companies out there, but none one none of them really that we can remember using the kind of hair and stuff that we use now. They was using uh, more of a a brisk mylar type material, a real stiff, brisk feeling. And of course, some people were using uh, these feather looks, you know, and uh, you know, bucktails. Because we use a kip tail. It's called a kip tail, and that kip tail is just like a, say, the hair on on our heads. <laughs> you know, when you jump in a swimming pool or a lake, you know, your hair is fluffing as you're moving. You know, well, that's what these these this hair would do. It flu it fluffs. It don't just stick together. It don't get flat. It, it keeps action, you know, and that's so. Uh, well, I think you know we were one of the first, if not the first, to really use that kind of hair in this industry. But of course, we've been. Uh, there's a lot of there's, there's a couple other people that have come and gone, and you know, some I'm still around and have copied and all. But you know, as long as you got them, like David told them, as long as you got them copying you, they're always a step behind. So you know, exactly. What, what, that's you know, a great point. It, you know, so. Uh, you know, we try to, you know, but, but like I said, the basic look of the jig rock is still the same as it, the reason it was. Now, we have added some uh, other uh, shaped heads, you know. Uh, of course, this little brain basically start with a round head. Now, we've got uh, jig heads that got a lot of little uh, oval football shape to them. We've got some that got a little movable eye in them. Uh, you know, so we do, you know, we've got a lot of, you know, several different heads we've added over the years to give it a different look. Well, before we get away from this, because I know I've heard you tell this story before, the business grew by leaps and bounds, talking about the the history behind Slater's Chicks. Um, you couldn't, well, I'm not going to say that you couldn't keep up with the demand, but you eventually ladder on into the years of the development of Slater's Jigs got you, you you wound up in Walmart. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I was in Walmart for a while, and you can still find uh, some of my jigs in different Walmarts, but, uh, of course, we go through the distributor for them now. Um, but, you know, it was, uh, well, one of the uh, way we got in Walmart uh, originally, and, of course, the, the Walmart ownership has changed, you know, uh, our leadership, let's say, has changed uh, several times since Mr. Sam Walton's passed away as far as, you know, I guess who is making the decisions or whatever. But uh, there was a salesman, a, re a regional uh, district manager. He's a district manager in Mississippi. He's passed away now. But, anyway, he got to fishing with our jigs. And, man, he, he was catching fish with them and all. And he was so pleased with them that he got us uh, what they kind of – it was basically a local uh, – vendors listing we started selling to the walmarts in mississippi and then it went to the walmarts in arkansas and louisiana because uh his manager different managers and district managers were visiting with each other and uh you know it, it kind of grew from there and then then walmart made a business decision where if you weren't selling them uh, x number of dollars a year you were considered uh, a small vendor and they weren't doing away with you but the small vendors they were going to let uh, a couple of major distributors uh, handle it and call on Walmart with those items. and that, We fell into that category. And of course, those distributors, we were fortunate and did pick up our jigs and still are handling them. And, you know, so they, and they call on a lot of the like the Walmarts, the Dicks, the Academies, you know, uh, Gander Mountains and things like that, you know. 
some of those different type stores is what they they call on. So a lot of people will see RGs in a lot of different places and maybe not in others, but it's mainly up to that the salesman is calling on him, you know, how what kind of job he's doing with it. But you know that that was the original story how we got in Walmart and uh, of course, like I said, so things you, have changed a little bit since. Are you self distribution or do you have do you sell to wholesale distributors that that get your I, product I, out I, into the market? I sell to distributors and then I do we do a lot of it on our own. You know, I go on the road or we do. Uh, somebody in our family will go on the road or whatever. We uh, work work some accounts. We work accounts over the phone, things like that. Is there a is there a an epicenter to your market? Like, who? What is the the biggest portion of your market, if you will, from a a regional perspective? Well, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Arkansas is our our biggest uh, areas, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, people in Louisiana they they fish like it's going out of style. They'll fish uh, four days and work three. Uh, they love it, you know. And, uh, I mean, that's the truth, though. Uh, you know, the they truth. they love it, and uh, and that's not being critical. They love they just love fishing, and and they love their hunting, and they're big sportsmen. So you know, the southern states are still our strongest area, but we are growing into the northern states. We're growing you know, out west. Uh, getting a lot, you know, we're starting to see a lot of business from Texas and places like that. So in uh, Oklahoma and. You know, starting to get even in a little bit of the ice fishing market during the winter up north. I was, I was just—I don't mean to dominate this conversation, but it's so interesting to me. I used to own a bait shop on Lake McConaughey, which is a very large impoundment on the Platte River, and we sold—we had your jigs in my store in our little fishing section. And one of the things that people, you know, at least out west, would do is. They weren't really familiar with, especially bank fishermen, they weren't really familiar with fishing styles and techniques that were effective, and they weren't very technical. So, um, you know, as a result of that, they would literally go to the simplest form of bait that they could find, and because they were relatively inexpensive compared to, say, a you know, a Rapala uh, crankbait, they would grab a handful of your jigs and literally go out and just start casting it off the shore or off the dam and the rocks, and it became very popular for them to catch white bass on. Um, yeah, there's and, a lot of people that sold... are doing that now. Mm-hmm. You know, not to interrupt you, but there's, you know, we're we're working on a jig right now that uh, I'm working on a couple. I'm just in the prototype stage right now. It's going to have to spin her up under the bottom, where we're you know where you know you can spin cast it and work it off the rocks and work it out you know exactly in the areas so uh, you know that's that's something that we're hoping to be able to come out with in uh, 2018. Uh, I've already you know I met with a uh, you know we we're just in the prototype stages of it right now but you know it's looking good and uh, you know of course you know you got to get all your cost factors figured you know how that goes but. Uh, <laughs> You know, you, you know, we're hoping that maybe that can be a new introduction for uh, 2018. And you know, cause we make, uh, you know, we 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 make little pole reels. You know, that go on the poles like that they use for the fish jig fishing, is you know, and ice fishing and and all. And uh, I own the mole. You know, my father owns the moles that do that. You know, they're, they're done right here in Jackson, Mississippi. They're USA made products, and our jigs are all USA made products right now. You know, and uh, 
Of course, we have some polls made that do come overseas, but, you know, there's nobody in the United States at this point in time that make polls uh, in the United States. Uh, but, you know, we have most, probably 90% of our products are USA made. And, uh, you know, and I think that's a, that's, that's, that's important too. <laughs> and it's quality. You know, we control the, the quality. Yep. And the, and the administration, with the, the administration that's in the White House right now, that's, that's going to be even a, a much stronger asset as that administration moves forward. I, I hope that it's going to be for all of us, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, Mm-hmm. But you know, you know, you, the main thing is you just got to keep, you know, your mind working and and li- and listening. You know, it's it's not always about talking. Sometimes you got to sit back and listen to what people say, listen to you know their ideas. People have good ideas, you know. Uh, maybe they don't, you know, the, uh, the fishermen, you know, they don't have any aspirations. Maybe as going into business, but they got ideas about a certain bait, how it could work, you know. Because, and you have to listen to that, and then you, then you kind of put your mind to work on some of those ideas, and that's one thing that we try to do, you know, listen. We try to be good listeners as well as uh, talkers, <laughs> or better listeners than talkers, as uh, listen to our people. I think one of the most interesting things that you said earlier was, um, how, how, did you, how did you phrase it? You got to, uh, when people are following you. When, as long as you got them following you, they're one step behind you. Exactly. As as That's a very following you. They're, they're one step behind. You know? That is uh, a great point. I'm gonna. If I don't remember anything else about this whole conversation, that's one thing I'm gonna remember because. It's that's a very important statement, Josh. Yeah. You have got to be chomping at the bit being a no. I, I'm I'm enjoying this. Really, I am. <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. Um, but yeah, we'll go to more. Uh, more fishing, the more fishing part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. I would like to personally know, Jimmy, if you had to go right now today, wh- what's your favorite lake? You don't have to be in Mississippi, although I would assume it is. But if you ha- if somebody told you 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 had to go fish your favorite lake today, where are you going? One lake today would be Lake Washington over out from Glen Allen. If I had to make a choice today, yeah. uh, that, you know, uh, you know, Lake Washington is. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but uh, they came out last year in the magazine and they rated the top ten crappie lakes. I mean, this wasn't a Mississippi magazine. National magazine. They came out and rated the top ten crappie lakes in the United States, and Mississippi had four of the top ten. Wow! No, they had, the, they had, the, they had you... the number one lake, which was Grenada Lake. That was number one in the in the United States. No kidding. Number two, number two was Lake Washington. And I can't remember they were they were all like in the top five in any we, lake and uh You know what was funny about that, Jimmy, I remember reading that and uh yeah, and off well, actually Mississippi had five lakes in it because they actually put Sardis and Enid as a tie for number three or number four. <laughs> yeah, and then I think the other one may have been Arca Butler. That's right, and Arca Butler was number five or number six. Yeah, all in the That's top right. ten list. But yeah, it was it was pretty funny. And that was that, over the whole United States. That wasn't just Mississippi right. Lakes. That was over the whole well, United States. You know, I had a right before we started this, a good friend of mine fishes Pickwick a lot, and he we were we were talking back and forth right before we we got on the phone here, and he was. He's coming down to fish Grenada in the next week or two, and um, he was wondering what the water was doing, fish were doing everything, and we were talking anyway. But he got to asking about uh, the crowd. He was like, you know, if we get a chance, should we come during the week, whatever? And I said, man, look, Grenada's crowded 
eight days a week. <laughs> they got people in Grenada and in Enid and uh, Lake Lewis that make reservations all for camping spots yeah. one year to the next. That's and right. It's unbelievable. Year, they for next year. That's it. So and that's what I was telling him is, um, I mean, you can ride boat ramp to boat ramp, and and there's a lot of Mississippi people, but there's it's amazing how many how many out of state people a lot of a lot of people from way up north. Um Oh it's a big draw for us. Yeah. And I mean it's unbelievable. Um it's it's unbelievable at the attention that that these lakes have gotten, uh, especially in the last, you know, six, eight years. Um it's it's just it's just unbelievable. Well you when you start catching uh three pound crappie out of these lakes and there's been some three pound plus Crappie taken out of all the lakes we mentioned, that makes it grow, the popularity. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's you know, right. And, uh, you know, because people, uh, is it like uh, deer hunting or whatever, you know, people go out somewhere deer hunting because they're after the size of those horns. You know, they want, they want to kill the big buck. Well, that's that's you know, right. this crappie fishing, they're after, they're after the size and they want to, they want to, you know, it's all bragging rights, I guess you'd say. You that's know. it. You know, uh, about two weeks ago, me and a buddy of mine were on Grenada, and um, it was the first time we had fished this year on Grenada. Anyway, we we had caught a few fish, and then, uh, of course, it was, I mean, it was, we went one afternoon in the middle of the week, and uh, and there were still 40 or 50 boats at that boat ramp, and the majority of the boats were pretty close to each other out on the water, and we were right in the middle of them. Anyway, long story short, he hooked into one that ended up going 3-3, but... When he when that fish surfaced, he looked at me and he said, "I don't want to put this fish in the boat because everybody out here is going to want to come over here." Yeah, yeah, you got to hide them in that one. Yeah, man, yeah. I just I reached down and 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 got him in the net. I want him to see me catch him because I want him to ask me what I'm catching. Yeah, well, that's the truth. I've even given them to the people in the lake before because I want them to. I want to know. Hey, I'm fishing this slater's jig, you know. But you're right. You know, we and that's what we (laughs) talked about the rest of that day was you know that fish went went three pounds and three ounces, and uh, you know I said that's what. You know, if you turn around and look at the boat ramp and you see all those cars, it's 75% of them are out of state, and they're here to catch one piece like that. I mean, that, that's what they're that's there right. for. That's, that's, that's what that's it's right. become known for. Um, and, you know, some people complain about the size regulations on these lakes. I mean, it has to be a big fish to keep to, to keep one. Well, um, you know, to keep, like, on Grenada now, I think you can only keep 15 a person. I believe it is. Uh, yeah, and they've got to be over 12. Which that's a, gotta that's be over twelve, but you know, you know? That, that doesn't hurt anything uh, because it's gonna keep. I hope it's gonna keep the uh, fish population at a high rate. You know, when you don't yeah, bring right. it, kind of. <laughs> a three point three pound crappie is a booner. That's a yeah, booner crockett level crappie. It was it, it oh, was yeah, the best crappie huge. I've ever been in the boat while being caught. And, uh, it was, and you know, it was when a you grab the net, you grab the net. To land a crappie, you know it's big. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah yep. and you know, and it's, and it's just uh, you know, it's it's a fun sport. It's a, and the thing it is, is crappie fishing is a sport that most people can afford to do. When I say that, you know, that mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a, you don't have to have the fifty thousand dollar boat. You know, you don't have to have the a hundred necessarily the hundred and fifty horsepower motor. You know. You got people that got twelve, fourteen foot boats with a nine point nine mercury on it or something, you know. So I'm saying, you know, and 
and they catch as many fish as anybody. It's just a it's a sport that just about anybody can afford to do. I was going to well, say the guys did, with those little boats and motors. They're the ones you got to watch because they're probably smashing it as well as anyone out there. Oh, there's some great, yeah, some of the best fishermen you'll find, and you know, uh, you know, are in boats like that. So, I mean, it's you know, it's just a it's just a good sport. It's a sport that uh, you can carry your children on. You know, they can they can they can fish with ease with you. You know, it's not a lot of problem. Uh, you, with your wife, you know, so it's, it's just a good uh, good sport, family sport, and, and recreational sport. You know, for people. Well, what sport of crappie fishing? Personally speaking. Uh, would you rather jig or would you rather troll, Jimmy? I, I'm a, I like the jig. I like it when uh, you know they get up in the edge of the woods or up in the woods, and you can jig around. But now trolling is is very very popular right now. I mean, it is unbelievably popular. There's nothing wrong with trolling, but personally, if you ask me on my what I'd like to do, I like I like the jigging part. You know, having to uh, you know look for them, locate them, figure out their patterns. You know, they just they they have they they have patterns you know uh you know like back in january a friend of mine and i myself we went crappie fishing over lake washington two days in a row you know we caught 20 something keepers each day but uh you know we had to figure out what they were doing and at that time they you know you had to like basically put the jig on the bottom about three foot deep and bounce it off the bottom you know you could swim it do everything else you wouldn't catch any but if you took it and laid it on that bottom and bounced it up off that bottom you'd catch fish you know, you know that's all fun part of it to me is you know, being able to kind of pattern the fish, locate them, and, and then catch them. I have to. So I got to tell you different. that my favorite part of crappie fishing is eating them. Well, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> well, I ate them last night. <laughs> that goes with it. You better be able to catch them before you can eat them. Unless you got a buddy that can catch them. Or know you. someone. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, Jimmy, let me ask you this. There's... Let's let's talk a little bit about science of crappie because there's people that are listening to this podcast that will be listening to it that are bass fishermen or or don't even fish at all, maybe getting into fishing. A little bit of science behind crappie when you're talking about trolling, when you're talking about jigging. The jigging is what you 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 jig when the the crappie are spawning, and well, trolling is something that yeah, you. Basically. And, and troll. What's what's the difference there? Can you can you expand? Well, into trolling, that you're going to be more bit? in open water. Trolling, you're in open water. It's usually when the fish most of the time now most of the fish are deeper. You know, you're going to have to have a a heavier weight uh, to keep it down. You know, and then you're going to have to determine your uh, trolling speed. You know, uh, once again, that's just like pattern them. Sometimes they like it when it's moving slower. Sometimes they like it when it's moving faster. And then you got to figure out your depth and you know that that's where you, your weight comes in. You know if you want to fish uh, six foot deep, and when you want to do your trolling motor at a certain speed, you got to figure out what weight you're going to need. It's going to keep it down there. Say it's five, approximately six foot uh, deep, and of course when you're uh, you know what I call tight lining or crappie fishing, you know when they're up in the trees, you just have to or on the banks or whatever. You know when the fish move in. You know, you do it once again. You just have to figure out. Sometimes, sometimes the fish may be real finicky, and uh, and the crappie has a tendency to be finicky, uh, and you may not can get quite as close to them as you want to. So then you got to use a pitching technique where you got to let out extra line, and you get so close to the spot, and you pitch maybe past and let the jig come swimming past your structure, and then they, they hit it like that. And sometimes you can get almost right on top of them, you know, and 
gee, it kind of straight down, and sometimes they like the swimming motion, sometimes a bouncing motion. So, uh, you know, it, it just depends on the, the crappie. And, you know, crappie are just like basically any other wild game. And just like a person, they, they have a couple hours a day. They're much more active than other times. And all that has to do with, uh, believe it or not, it has to do with the moon. Uh, you know, it may be their primary feeding times today. I'm using an example. I don't know what they are. I haven't looked today, but it could be from 8 to 10. And tomorrow it may be from uh, uh, 2 to 4. Uh, not that you can't catch them at other times, but most of the time there's a couple-hour period in that day that they're more active than other times. So, you know, when they're not as active is when you have to really figure out uh, which way to carry, you know, how to, how they're going to take the bait the best, which way to present the bait to them the best. When they're real active, it's not quite as important as how you present it. It's just get it there, you know. And uh, so, you know, I mean, that's, that's basically well, my dad, you know, what you do. The, the, the reason I ask that is crappie fishing is huge in the spring. Everybody, and in, 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 I know that's because of the spawn. The, they're moving right. into the shallow waters, and that's because of the spawn. But when I was growing up, my dad was huge, and y'all got together a couple of times, and y'all talked crappie fishing the few times that I, I known y'all to get when you know years ago when y'all got together. But my dad loved fishing the fall. It, yeah, yeah, you that, fish deeper in the fall. Water, you know, the waters, the waters cooler, Rocky. Right? You know, when the waters cooler, the fish are gonna go, to, uh, you know, have a tendency. Uh, you know, to to be laying down deeper, and then you know, you just you just kind of you know able to uh, catch them. That's the reason trolling is so popular. Thing I'm trying to say is because of the water. As the water warms up, the fish start moving in. Because then they're getting ready, like you said, to do the spawn. So when does the water warm up? It starts warming up in the spring. So when the water's cool, yeah, that's when you see more people, just like your dad did, and all that. You know, and, and doing the uh, trolling more out into the opens. Well, he said that the fish, and I'm just asking this, but he always heard him say that fish were really aggressive in the fall because he always would talk about they were trying to build up that fat for the winter. Well, they they are aggressive, but uh, I I don't know, you know, that they're any aggressive in the fall than they uh, are in spring. You know, it's just a matter of locating them, and then once you locate them, you know, then when you locate the crappie, you know, then the rest of it kind of falls in place and takes, takes care of itself. But I don't know that, you know, that they're any more aggressive. They may be, but, you know, I'm, I've never found that it's necessarily one over the other. It's just a matter of finding them, you know, and, and following them, you know, to what they're going to do as far as what the water stages do and things like that. If, if, you, if you had one choice and someone forced you to pick one pattern, color pattern, or uh, body style, or whatever kind of jigs you guys make, and you could only fish one jig, Slater's jig, the rest of your life, which one would it be? The orange head, black body with a chartreuse tail. You know, we, uh, back when we did make these jigs, they used a yellow tail, but now then they've come out with a chartreuse tail that's, that is so pretty, and that, that orange, black, chartreuse is just day in and day out, it's death on them, you know. Um, it's such a good good color combination and so productive, you know. And You know, you, y'all are, you know, so I, I was a jig I would pick, but y'all were asking about uh, fishing techniques and different things like that. And why, one thing that I do believe, and I was taught by my daddy and uh, 
you know, I passed it on to my boys, is when you're crappie fishing, fish as light as you can, you think that you can affordably fish. In other words, uh, if you don't feel comfortable fishing with six pounds, but you do with 10 pound test line, you do that. But fish as light as you can affordably fish. Because when you're jig fishing, the lighter you can afford with fish, the more the more it looks like natural. You know, it looks like a natural uh, bug in the water, a minnow, whatever. You know, the the he- the heavier you fish, the less uh, active active the bait is. You follow what I'm talking about? It was mm-hmm. when it's heavy. If it's heavy, you have to do more of the work to make the action. Mm-hmm. Just like, for instance, my my father, he, he likes to fish with a four pound test line. I fish with six. Uh, he likes to fish with a number eight hook. I fish with a six hook, which is just a little bit bigger. Then I got a friend, and he catches a, just about me across. I do. He fishes with a number four hook, which is even a little bit bigger. But what I'm saying is, whatever in your mind that you think you can, uh, the lightest that you can affordably fish and feel comfortable with, that's what you need to do because it's going you'll you'll get more natural action out of your bait. It's kind of a it's kind of a hybridized technique mixing bass fishing and fly fishing is that would that is that a fair statement yeah yeah because you like i said fly fishing you know you're fishing real life bait shooter real light and uh you know so you know i i'd like i said I, that's just one of the basic rules of thumb is just you know i'm not going to sit here and tell you to fish with six pound test line because you may not feel comfortable with it but you you fish with the, the whatever line and whatever hook you are the smallest that you feel comfortable with and I think you'll find your production to be better, our personal finance production in the long run to be better because you're going to get more natural uh, appearance of the bait. You know, it's less resistance to the bait. In other words, if, you, if, you, if you're fishing a real heavy hook and you drop it in the water, it's going to sink fast. Well, if you think about it, when, you, when, when bugs or anything hit the water, they don't go straight down, sinking fast. You know, it's kind of a slow descent down there. So fish as light as you think you can afford to be fish to keep it as close to a natural look as you can. So, Jimmy, I know that we said we weren't going to keep you but 20 minutes, but 20 minutes has turned into 40 minutes, but <laughs> we appreciate your time because the information that has come from you today has been unbelievable. Um, but I have one more question for you. As far as Slater's Jigs goes, what 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 does the future hold? Well, you know... What, what are you, because we talked a little bit yesterday about the expansion of of what the plans, what what y'all have planned for the future. Well, like I told you, we you know we got the the new bait plan uh, for crappie fishing to understand bait. Uh, hopefully, it'll be out there in 2018, and I think if it turns out like we want, it's going to be a winner. We're looking into every year. You know, I've already these reels I was telling you about. I'm making uh, plastic, or well, not plastic, it's a nylon material. Uh, the reels, they've been selling real good in the ice fishing area, so now we're starting to venture out into uh, getting our jigs and things into the ice fishing areas because that's, that's a totally different market and a different time of the year keep your business going. Uh, also, I am looking right now, and I already started making uh, jig heads and stuff for redfish and trout fishing, you know, for the saltwater type baits. Uh, also, we're I've already had one, you know, rocking soft plastic bait that I came out with a couple of years ago called the Watson, which kind of what is it? But it's a Watson. It's a it's a tadpole in its beginning stages of becoming a frog, 
and I was visiting with my daddy a lot, talking with him, and he was telling me about when he was a young boy on the Sunflower River, how he used to catch tadpoles, and he'd catch crappie with them. So I said, well, I'm going to try, you know, we're going to come up with a bait. So we designed a bait that looks like a tadpole, and it has been very productive. And now then, just met with a guy that does our mold work and stuff uh, this past week, and we're looking at uh, two or three more soft plastic baits. So we're getting into the soft plastic field as well as what we already do, and we're just looking to expanding, hopefully, uh, trying to find out how to get more and deeper into the ice fishing area. And now then one of the new projects, of course, is getting into the redfish trout, uh, you know, with the heads and then maybe having one or two soft plastic baits to go along with that. So, you know, it, we're just trying to, once again, it comes down to listing, and we got a lot of people in the in our area right here that go uh, once a month, they go red fishing when, during that time of the year. You know, they all got boats and all, and they've been telling me about what all it takes, and I've been red fishing the time myself, and, you know, so I, I know that, I, you know, if I can get it, uh, people are using it, and I hope that the main relation of, you know, and I don't mean this bragging, I hope the main relation of Slater's Jesus will help sell it. You know, we can get it get it going into the, uh, venture into some of the salt water as well, like I said, as well as ice fishing, and then new baits into the uh, fresh water as well. Well, Jimmy, I know... Speaking from myself and, and using the jigs and uh, and knowing uh, being you know around the, the area where they where they kind of come from and originated from, it's been a lot of fun being a part of this conversation today. I've enjoyed it. Uh, make well, me I hope go I fishing the rest of the day. No, well, I hope I talked too much. I hope I've answered the questions that y'all wanted answered. Oh, you have. Years, you know that and that uh, and much more. It's been great. Um, you know, but and we've been uh, blessed, and uh, so you know our company's been blessed, and you know God's taking care of us in so many ways. And I'm, you know, I'm a Christian man. I'm just gonna tell you the way I believe it. And you know, we were, you know, God's laid these paths, and all we're trying to do is uh, follow through with them. You know, and uh, as He opens doors, we're trying to walk through them in this mm-hmm. fishing industry. And so far, it's been so good. So far, it's been great. So far, so you know, as far as uh, you know. We all want more. Don't get me wrong, but you know it's it's growing, and uh, hopefully, hopefully it will continue to grow. Uh, you know, that's what we're hoping for. Well, I, I, I got one. This. I, I can say I can say this from being your your nephew-in-law. I, I say this not just because you're on here, but if you weren't on here, Jimmy, I'd still say it. But Jimmy, you're fine a fella as. And fine of a Christian man, as is your quality of your jigs. I will say that, dude. You, you, well, you have all that. man. You you you've always been good to me through the past fifteen or twenty years that I've been around you. Well, I appreciate it, and like you know, and uh, you know, just as a, as a, you know, we try to you know live by certain philosophies, you know, in the, in the business and in and in everyday life, you know, and. Uh, you know, we feel like you do it right. You do it the right way. Uh, you know, if you don't, if you can't do it the right way the first time, how do you find time to to do it the second time? You know, uh, that's a great you can't do point. It right, you know, first time, how do you find time the second time? You know, and uh, you know, and and I just want to know. You know, we appreciate the people out there that have been so good at Slater's jigs over the years. You know, and it's a philosophy that we uh, live by. You know, we will, we will never. Uh, we will tr- we will strive to never be too small to serve the biggest customer, and I can promise you we'll never be too large to serve the smallest. You know, so 
you know, because uh, the, the smaller, the, the you know, a, a small account is just as important to me what I'm getting at as a large account. So I'll never, you know, this company would never be so big that it gets about the small person that are, you know, and and uh, one doesn't want to serve, or serve them. We'll always be there for the people. As long as they are wanting to use Slater Jig products, we're going to be there for them. You know, you know, Jake. I'm gonna have to say that there's some, not only some great fishing, talking about fishing in this podcast, but man, just the life philosophies that Jimmy's laid out on us today. Oh, I'm writing down these unreal. I mean, it's some good stuff. Successful business, you know, comes from from smart decisions and. Smart decisions typically come from bad, from experience and bad decisions. And when you can take some of those notes from people that have been successful and add it to your own repertoire in life, then it's only going to help you be better, right? Well, you hope so. And, and you know, you're talking about bad decisions. You know, that's the, you know, it's one thing about it. What's grown our business more than anything has been word of mouth. But I'm going to tell you something. Good news travels fast. Bad news travels twice as fast. <laughs> and that's, there's number three. I'm writing it down. When people, are, when people are, I'm using my jigs Herbo. for example. If they use my jigs and they catch 60 fish on one jig, they, they're happy. And they, they, they're going to tell people about it. But you let them go and use my jig and catch two fish and you tear up, they're going to tell twice as many people about that jig tearing up as it did about catching those 60 on that jig. So good news is always great, but bad news, will travel twice as fast on you. So try to keep, you know, try to make a product that's going to always uh, put good taste in a person's mouth. And that's what we try to do. I'm not saying we don't make mistakes, but we we try to quality control and make sure that, you know, the products coming from Slater's Jigs at 98%, 99% of the time, they're right. <laughs> Bad news has got turbo boost on it, doesn't it? <laughs> I guarantee you it's going to travel quite twice mm. as fast. And, 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 uh, you know, and that's I, I have, you know, and that's on anything. You know, I mean, if, if you do, if you go out and mess up on something in life, people are going to talk about that a lot more than all the good things you do. It seems like that, anyway. Especially like on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook put Turbo Boost into 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 the world of NASA Turbo engines. It, it changed things. It sure did. But you know, I got one last been great experience for me. Do what now? I got one last question for you, and it it's, relates to crappie fishing, but it's, it gets away from your jigs. What is your favorite way to prepare and eat crappie? Well, we like to fillet them. And then I like, I love, and Rocky's eating you know, some of my fish before, but I like to fillet them and then, you know, batter them real good uh, with the meal. And I like to use yellow cornmeal, yellow self-rise and cornmeal, because I think it gives more of that golden look to it. Which it does. It's nothing wrong with the white cornmeal. It's going to taste probably the same, or does basically the same. But I like that that golden look when it comes out of that grease, and you know, just drop that fillet over there and fry. And then, uh, of course, I like to make my own hush puppies. And then I got French, you know, you throw them French fries on there, maybe a little spoonful of slaw, and you got yourself a a meal that you'll be talking about for a while. It's a well, bunch like of people the out there shaking their head, shaking their nodding their head, head yes right now, going yep. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> well, that's, I, you know, I got a, now we, I got we a do bacon cold. at times, but fried fried is the best for me. But I, you know, I will eat a bake crappie too. And I, when I want to, when we bake them, we leave them whole, and we score them, 
and, uh, you know, season them up, put them in the oven, and we do eat some like that too. But fried is my favorite. Well, I want, man, I want I've you got, guys I've got, to know how much I've enjoyed this. You know, it's been a great experience. Okay. And I hope, like I said, that I've answered your questions uh, well enough that, you know, for what you were looking for. Man, i got a case of the, the heavy tongue right now. Good grief. <laughs> My mouth is watering thinking about some of Me too. Jimmy's well, fried catfish because that's, that's a staple. That's a staple around. We all get together as a big family and, and the Slaters fry a bunch of fish for, for everybody in the family. And good Lord, it's good. Holy moly. Well, it almost gives them quail sometimes, you know, but... Uh... <laughs> I fried a quail for family on Christmas. But anyway, it's been this has been, uh, like I said, I want you guys to know this has been a great experience, a great time. And like I said, I hope that this has uh, answered some of the questions that you wanted answered. Uh, I tried to answer my best as honest as I could. And I hope it's been good for y'all. Now, Jimmy, it's been great. Look, we, 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 we couldn't do all of this without mentioning one person. That's Joseph Presley at Four Corner Properties. Now, if you're in the market for a piece of property, Give Joseph a call at Four Corner Properties, piece of recreational turkey, deer, duck, and even crappie fishing. You may be looking for a lot next to Grenada Lake or one of the lakes that where crappie fishing is popular. Um, just give Joseph a call. You can reach him at, at 601-540-7240. Jimmy, look, for, for all of us here, I, I just want to say thank you for taking that 20 minutes into 40 minutes because the all the knowledge that that you poured out on us today and wisdom was really appreciated and and thank you so much for taking time today because i know y'all are in a busy part of your season right now well thank y'all for having me and uh like i said and i just want to thank the people uh that listen to the podcast for using slater's jigs and we just appreciate them so much hey before we go jimmy look uh, just give us a few, if you don't mind, just a few local stores that your jigs can be picked up, or is there anywhere online that we can we can order these also? Yeah, you know, there's a website, www.slatersjigs.com. You can find, like I said, a lot of these jigs will be in the Academy stores. You can find some in the Dick stores. You can find some occasionally in the Walmart stores. You can find them at a lot of the local bait shops along the lakes, because that's where a lot of these distributors, wagon jobbers, they call on the bait shops up and down the different lakes. So around any of these lakes we talked about, you know, you can usually find our jigs in many of those uh, bait shops around those lakes. Well, Jimmy, I know that uh, I'm not going to get into it uh, heavily, but real quick before we go, Jimmy and the, and, and the guys at Slater's Jigs, they also, during the wintertime, are offering duck hunting products where you know, wherever yeah. lead is used, uh, it, they duck make buster awesome products, yeah. yeah, duck buster products, jerk strings, um, Texas rigs. I use all of their products, unbelievable products. So, um, Jimmy, but thank you again. And we want to thank everybody that's listened to this edition of the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com.